the Exton Moss Experiment. Adventures in Wine and Space with Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Episode 33, Christmas 2019. Hello everyone and a very warm welcome to the Christmas edition of the Exton Moss Experiment. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And today we are going to be watching the Canine and Company single episode spin-off from Doctor Who from 1981. Now, it's a firm favourite of mine every Christmas Eve. I love it. I think it's a great Christmas story. It's very heartwarming. Terrible shame it didn't go to a series. But we're going to do a full commentary on this, so you'll get more thoughts on that in a moment. Before we start, we, of course, have to get the tonic screwdriver out and open the gin. Simon, what have we got for tonight? By a roaring log fire, what have we got? We have... The Staffordshire Gin Black Violet. Um, and this has black cardamom and violet in it. Five out of five. Straight in. Oh, God, I... That is absolutely lovely. Um, <laughs> what a choice. Excellent. Oh, and the cardamom comes through mm. as well. Uh, the first thing that hits you is the violet. Uh, and I, I love violet. It's one mm. of my favourite flavours. And then the cardamom comes through that. But cardamom can really overpower it sometimes. Can, yes. And it doesn't in this. It's absolutely delicious. This is really, really nicely blended. Wow. It's smooth, really easy to drink. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, five out of five. So, Staffordshire Gin, well done. Bring your glass. Let's open the Black Archive door. Okay, well... The thing that I'm going to bring out from the Black Archive this time around, bearing in mind it's Christmas time, is the very first Doctor Who Christmas special, The Feast of Stephen. Oh, excellent. Um, it was the, the only episode from the entire classic run that was transmitted on Christmas Day. It was Christmas Day 1965, while William Hartnell was the, um, the Doctor. And his companions were Stephen and Sarah Kingdom. It's episode seven of the mammoth 12-episode story, The Dalek Master Plan. And they basically take a step out from the main story to have a little bit of a, a jolly romp around Hollywood and... A police station in Lancashire. It's Liverpool, isn't it? Mind you, in those days, Liverpool yeah. was in Lancashire. Is that where they, have, they go to a cricket match on? No, that's... Uh, no, that's right. actually in episode eight where they land at the cricket match. Um, or is it just those two? I think it's just those okay. two, but they do a bit of running around in between. Um, and it, it, it's all very silly. It doesn't further the plot at all. And actually, when the serial was put out for foreign sale, it wasn't included. No, it wasn't. So the surviving episodes of Master Plan that we have are ones that came back as sale prints from Australia, and they never received episode, episode seven. Of all the episodes of... Doctor Who that are missing, that is the one that's least likely to ever resurface. Yeah, because the, there are stories like Power of the Daleks, like Dalek Master Plan, that had very, very little in the way of overseas sales, but they were actually sent out as mm. viewing prints. Episode 7 of Dalek Master Plan never was, and I'm, I'm not even sure it was ever tele-recorded for sale. I suspect not. I think the I've read documentation, which is 
extensive on Doctor Who missing episodes. People have gone into this in pinpoint detail. But that assumes that all of the documentation has survived and that even for an, a bureaucratically well-run organisation, and I think that BBC in the 1960s and 70s could be accused of not being that, mm. expecting that kind of paperwork to still be present 30 or 40 years later in its absolute entirety is a big ask. Yes. So it's possible it was telerecorded, but there is no record of it. I'd quite like to see it back in the archive. Well, mine is something that does exist. Uh, I've done this quite a few times now, but... The restoration team uh, for the Doctor Who releases have ruined me insofar as if I know that there's a better quality copy of something somewhere, that's the one I want. Now this is a radio sitcom from the early 70s called Parsley Sidings and it's a magical little series. It's set on a railway station and it's harmless fun but it's really not. I love railways and trains. It ran for a couple of seasons. It did. It It had Arthur Lowe in it and uh, Ian Lavender. Have you heard it? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and it's, it's, it's lovely. The vast majority were wiped, the master cassettes. They've all been returned in various quality from off-air recordings, mm. from private collectors, but some of them are a little bit more ropey than others, and it would be like, very much like The Hobbit from 1968. It would be nice to have the masters intact. Mm. Um, as I say, the, the series itself was just whimsical fluff. It was very, very nice. I'd, I'd like to have that back but the they've been released I think last month on CD so I'm going to treat myself to those over Christmas I think oh okay it's, it's very it's summertime listening really uh, but I, I think as a New Year's present to myself that's what I'm going to go for and so without further ado we are back in the viewing room it is time for one of my as I say one of my Christmas favourites Canine and Company so, as you're going to be watching this now, we're recording it in November, does that mean you'll watch it again at Christmas? Of course. On Christmas Eve, probably about four o'clock, with a colossal glass of Baileys and ice. Your Christmas viewing must start round about now. Well, what do I, what do I get my routine is I, Canine and Company, at some point on Christmas Eve, I do like, while I'm wrapping the last of the presents. And... Chimes at midnight. It chimes at midnight, uh, that can be striped that, over... That, uh, that's not viewing. No. But chimes at midnight, I will stripe over a couple of weeks. There's Dalek's Master Plan, which I got as a Christmas present many, many moons ago when it was released on CD. That I play in the kitchen while I'm cooking during December. Tenth Planet has snuck its way in there, just because it's in the snow. Uh, but that was a Christmas present as well, part of a tin set. And... It culminates with The Muppets Christmas Carol on Christmas Eve, just as it's going dark. I thought you were going to start with the signal then as well. Signal one's going, it's in there this year, yes. I don't know where, but it will be in there. Christmas is a magical time for me. It's a complete fantasy. It's basically the Saturnalia. It's a whole raped and pillaged from paganism, but... Many... Christian festival. They are indeed, they are. So, six weeks in advance of when I'm probably going to watch it, maybe a little longer. Here we go. Canine and Company revel in the theme tune, boys and girls. Oh God, the title sequence. (laughs) Oh God. Ian Levine's biggest contribution to Doctor Who. 
did he do this music? Yeah. So that's why it's shit. It is. Now, several of the main antagonists are shown in this opening sequence, but it's done in such a way that you don't really... There's only Colin Jeevan's character that's given main prominence. Yeah, and the ones where there's actually a question mark about who they are have, have masks on, not... Mm. Well, now he's been in something, hasn't he? He's got that look of, um, what's his name, Peacock about him, but it's not. The guy who played uh, Nord in Greatest Show. Yeah, no. It's my guest, Lavinia, dear. It's all due to that letter you wrote to the Standard. Oh, which one? The one about witchcraft. It's not often you see people smoking in um, in TV things these days. No. It's all very well for some... Even Howard has to tread very gently. Everybody smokes in this. I think there's a, a dinner party where they're all sparking up and then what's-his-face walks in with a pipe. Oh, she was... Um, sitcom. Not her, Dark... No, Dark-haired woman. Yeah. No, 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 no. Dear John. Oh, is she in that? Oh, right. Yes. Oh, no, leave that one, please. That's not the go. Yeah, she's the one who ran the support group. Louise, I think. I can hear the theme tune to Dear John in my head, but I was still a bit. I was about six or seven. Ralph Bates. Yeah. It's quite fun. Because he died not long afterwards, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He can always come to me, This ends really abruptly. This scene. Well, it's not that abrupt. Mm. Sarah's car was supposed to be an open top MGB and she gets that a mini metro George Tracy I work for Miss Lavinia he's in his late 80s now Colin Jeevans but I can ever really picture him as um, I can't remember the character Max Quadalplein in Hitchhiker's Guide the restaurant at the end of the universe Um, yes although I tend to think of him as Jim the friend from Kinvig We'll do Kim Big at some point. Mm-hmm. Nigel Neal's foray, foray into comedy. Comedy? Yeah. And it's actually pretty good. I remember my sister watching, watching this with my sister. And she really, really liked that coach. I'm not surprised. It's lovely. It's a bit inquisitor. Not that that's a bad thing. It's long and flowy, and I do long and flowy. Are you coming in? I'd better get Yes, all right, fine, thanks again. Okay, close the door. Thank you. I'm sure I've seen him in something else before. Yeah, now that you're saying that. Don't Please. Sarah. What's that? Brendan. Brendan? Oh, here it comes, the weak link. I was just going to phone you. I feel, I'm sorry, I got held up. Sean Chapman, apparently. He was in Hellraiser. Oh, God, yes, he was Frank in Hellraiser. Hello, hello. You will forgive the intrusion, won't you? I was told you were here, so... 
I lit a fire. It was in Doctor Who. Who was he in Doctor Who? He was in Meglots. Oh, right. I really can't remember the last time I saw Meglots. The last time I saw Meglots, it was on UK Gold. It's perfect winter watching. There's lots of crackling fires. fires and everyone wrapped up, him smoking a pipe by the fire. There's more than a hint of the voluptuary in it, according to the script. It's very breathy. Mm. <laughs> and he looks a bit ghoulish. David Owen in the spitting image, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, it's much the same thing. Although it's not spitting image where he turns up as Dracula, is it? No, it, it, uh, not the 9 o'clock news, I think he said. But K9 wasn't heavy, because people used to just mm. pick him up and trundle him around. I am K9 Mark 3. K9. <laughs> oh, God, what is that noise? Um, closing early Fridays for years. Just make myself a cup of tea, would you like one? Oh, Do you know what's her face wasn't the one in Dear John? Oh, right. It's very like her, but no. Boy geniuses, I mean... Yeah, Adric, Twin Dilemma. This. He'd have got very irritating. And it's been said in the production subtitle that John Nathan Turner wanted, even though the school that he's supposedly at didn't actually wear school uniforms because the wardrobe department phoned up and asked, he wanted him to wear a school uniform so that all the characters had a, a recognisable look through the episodes that they produced. That's the least believable costume in the whole of Doctor Who is Turlo. Why the hell would he keep on that schoolboy outfit? Well, why would Tegan keep on her air hostess? She only had the... Actually, both of them only had the one thing that they turned up in the the TARDIS in. They must have absolutely stunk after a while, if if that's all that they were wearing. Those cups look remarkably familiar, but I think they're the ones I've just picked up. Those red and gold cups. Why? Why is she the only one that has a local Yoko accent? This Sarah Jane is a very different Sarah Jane to the one in Doctor Who. Really, she's less childlike. And when we did school reunion, that childlike Sarah was back. Yeah. He's already quite irritating, is Brendan. Yes, he is. We're only half an episode in. Enthusiasm for the K9 series drained away after personnel changes at the top of the BBC. JNT played to the BBC management's interest of decentralising to regions. So K9 series, had it happened, would have been made in 1983-84 from Bristol or Manchester. I regard this very, very fondly. Would it be the same if it had run to series? I don't know. Because it, it's Doctor Who light. It is, and Christmas specials are supposed to be light. Mm. So. Get away! Just get away! Blackpool DJ Ian no. Levine. 
born 1953. Canine senses appear to be remarkably crap. You can just hide round a corner from Canine, he won't know you're there. But he will find a gnome. Why are all those flowers outside in December? And what's the point? Why are they flowering? The correspondence page was quite lively for three weeks, but I'm sure it did your eyes. Was it Quornby? We've done him on a In Memoriam. Yes, did we do. Mind of J.G. Reader? Yes. Because it was him and um, Winter Davis in the same episode, wasn't it? Just while we're on the mind of J.G. Reader, I mentioned Parsley Sidings before, mm. after the Black Archive. The theme tune for that was the same as the mind of J.G. Reader. Yes, it was. You knocked all the crap over, you broke the windows, it was absolutely your fault. And you didn't So if Peter is involved enough to be kidnapping people... Why isn't he involved enough to be actually in the ceremony and was looking in from outside the ruins? That's a very good point. Sarah's costume design is very good. Whoever's done her clothes, I'm surprised if it's June Hudson. It's a very well-behaved dog. Wait, to be fair, in German Shepherd's eye. But any any scene takes hours to film. You'll do as you're told. You've nothing to lose, never from the game. See, these are black magic Hecate worshippers. Yeah, they've got a Christmas tree and Christmas decoration. Now you get it. Unless it's just for very similitude, just to... Well, my folks had a Christmas tree and Christmas decorations, and they're spiritualists, so it's a cultural thing. That looks an incredibly uncomfortable way to tie. It does, knelt on the floor like a five-year-old. She's cross-legged, I think, so... Well, either way, it's still going to be uncomfortable. uses chloroform. Freely available? Not really. That's interesting. Actually, then it may have been. Some books on witchcraft. It's very odd that she's just popped that nasty kimono on over the top of her all of her mm. other clothes. It's a very poorly focused shot. Oh, without Barbara Bain. <laughs> Bill Pollock was a crotchety, snuff-sniffing fifty-year-old. In the original script, he's certainly not that now. Yeah, you see, Canine has gone from so heavy it needs two of them to carry him, to she can just hoik him out of the car mm. unhanded. And his little antenna thing has been. Um, wasn't it looking a bit um, weathered? Yes. Oh, unless that was in. School reunion on the In school reunion, the, the little antenna things are missing in K9 Mark IV. Yeah. But they're still on when they first get her out of the, the car. Brenda Richards, the boy was attacked on Friday night. I'm sorry, Miss Smith. She's we can... now missing. My arm goes off mysteriously. Then Brenda's attacked. Then he disappears. Now, what is the matter with this place? Now, try not to worry, Miss Smith. We'll put out a general... She's coming across as a little bit paranoid. Yes. Yeah. 
That's not exactly their fault. You heard from your aunt again? Uh, no, no news is good news. If I don't see you before, Merry Christmas. And to you. It does stand out a bit, the one that, that she's the only one with a West Country accent. Well, that copper behind the desk had one. Unless, of course, he may have gone to see his mother. Mistress. Canine can whisper. They've overdone the pale makeup on him, haven't they? Yeah. The ash tree, was that one that we watched? Yes, it was. With the, the babies under little malevolent balloons yeah. at the end. They're very good sets. Mm. But I guess if they were they had their eye on a full series, then they'd want sets that they could reuse. Shrill demonic sound. Not sure how shrill and demonic that is, but is anyone there? You see, that would have been now, nice if they'd had, um, yes. if they went on to do sort of Avengers type plots. That's just popped up in the production of yeah. Boys and Girls, that that's, they wanted no fantasy elements in the series. And it would have been nice, yeah. Mm. I mean, because predominantly the Avengers had fantastical rather than out and out fantasy. Yeah. We should do some Avengers. I'm amazed we haven't done it. Ah, that's why he wasn't part of the circle. Because there wasn't a space for him, and now there's a space. I mean, that's proper night filming, isn't it? Yeah, it is. He must have been frozen solid. He's just wearing a. It's not even a tunic. In November. In the middle of night. I mean, it, the whole mystery, who's in charge? There, there's a grand total of two women in the guest mm. cast. And you can understand why people think she's a bit dramatic. Oh, uh, yes. What is she wearing? Okay, that's less well costumed as I looks like a jogging suit with blue and green wellies on <laughs> and a furry cardigan and leather gloves yeah fur dudes I'm not feeling it who wears wellies indoors certainly not me I've been talking to Howard and we don't think you should be left on your own I'm a bit tired oh we won't be late we'll have you tucked up in bed well before midnight very, very sort of art. Mm. Listen to that. I'm fairly sure that John Leeson is crouched in the back of this car. Listen to the dialogue. Could someone be trying to kill me, Possibly. I mean, actual proper night filming makes such a difference. It does. Day for night never works. The last proper night filming that the classic series had was Image of the Fendal. No, it wasn't. Trial of a Time Lord. That was definitely filmed at night. Yes, it was. Because the reason I know Image of the Fendal was the one before was from reading Celestial Toymaker at the time that mm. trial was coming out. Well, haven't they found him a nice frog? It is a very odd costume they've given him to wear. And he must have been 
Yeah, freezing. freezing his bit. Like between between takes, he was covered up with thermal <laughs> blanket, leg warmers, and a woolly bubble hat. The dressers were cute to remove these at the last moment with the phrase, socks off. Bill Fraser amused the actors who were blue with cold with jokes of a similar hue. <laughs> After a while, the freezing cast started modifying their lines. Equity, equity, equity. I think it would take more than a mucky joke to... Um, Warm you up. To improve my evening if I was lying on a cold slab wearing that frock. That was a nice little action-y thing from mm. Sarah. You can see him shivering, <laughs> hanging onto the side, desperately trying not... So who's the bloke? Um, Bill Pollock. Oh, right. But since everybody in Morton Harwood has been wiped out in the first episode... I, I thought the original thing when they, they were saying there were going to be three regulars, three other regulars apart from Sarah and K-9, it was Brendan, Lavinia and Pollock. Mm, it was definitely not Pollock. I can't remember what it's called, but in the novelisation of K-9 and Company, it's not Morton Harwood. Morton Harkett? No, that's... Aha! Aha. I see what you did there. What is she wearing? I take it all back about the costume design. It's gone from the sublime to the ridiculous. It's a bed jacket. See, I hate this crap. You're pretending that canine can't actually read uh, lines that they've written down is just nonsense. Ian Levine, you're just no good at music. I thought that was supposed to be the only thing he was good at. He's good at bleating like a little bitch. And once more with a little less venom. No. <laughs> he once wished me dead on an internet forum, so... Yes, he... Fuck you. That's just a, a rite of passage, I think. Mm. Most girlfriend, you did that to everybody. <laughs> oh. Ian Levine's wished you dead. Welcome to the club. <sighs> I've reached that level of greatness. The cosmic blancmange wants me dead. <laughs> now, do not be mean to him. Because we need him to, on camera, say there will always be 97 missing episodes of Doctor Who. And then we'll magically get something back. Well, that was fun. That, yes. I, I really enjoyed that. It's silly fluff, but that's what you want from a Christmas special. Yeah. Sarah isn't Sarah. Mm. She's a bit spiky. For a lot of it, she's a bit run around headless chicken and a bit bleaty. And you, you sympathise with most of the of the other characters that she looks like a bit of a nut job, to be honest. 
Well, actually, most of the other characters are part of the cover. Are which? Which um, is? It's only really the Bakers who aren't. And she spends most of the episode... Thinking they thinking are. Thinking they are. And this is... I watch this every year. And that's... It's, there's not many Doctor Who episodes I watch every year. And it is listed... Even the, the DVD, the title menu, it lists it as a Doctor Who story. Yeah. It is. There's no real getting around it if it had been a series maybe different but the uh, John Nathan took the budget for two episodes from season 18 to make and this refused to re- remount Sharda you keep going on about this it would have been a bad move oh, we'd have got Sharda I know but it would have looked wonderful. bloody odd the, the only way they could have got away with Sharda is dropping in a scene where he's Burgundy coat was for some reason hung up. The whole style of Shard is different from season 18. They'd have had to really crowbar that in. It is a shame. I love Shard. Um, and yes, if it came to a choice between Megloss and Shard, I know which one I'd rather have. So I'm with you. Yeah. But you've, so mi- you've milked that cow. There, there is lots more mileage in this winch. <laughs> you just wait until we do Megloss and listen to how many times. Oh, when gone. the randomizer comes out with that. Yeah, so for anyone who's not seen K9 and Company, I believe it, the Blu-ray version is now available on the Splendid Season 18 collection box set, which I don't own, but Simon does. I do. I hadn't realised it was on there. Yeah, and it's well worth a watch. For all the holes we've picked in it, I love it. And it's, a, it's one to watch on Christmas Eve with a glass of something. It's a late afternoon. It's lovely. It's, it'll just set the scene for Christmas. Yes, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, it's been a few years since I've seen it, other than the title sequence that crops up on Twitter fairly regularly with people poking fun at it. <laughs> and actually, the title sequence isn't awful. If you divorce it from the, the theme, from the theme tune, it, it's the theme tune that's the particularly bad bit. Somebody has actually put the K9 and Company title sequence to another bit of music, and I can't remember what it is. I've got a feeling it's Terry and June, and it works. Um, I've also seen the title sequence with um, Elizabeth Sladen taken out and shots of Jackie Lane put in. Right. And uh, the final credit being Dodo and Company. I will have to search that. I've not seen that. And that's quite odd. Well, you have the magic of YouTube. The tube. Right, so we've just watched the YouTube of... Dodo and Company. Dodo and Company. Um, I'm not sure where they got the footage of Jackie Lane wandering around. It looked like Paris. The bit of her leaning over a bridge and then looking coquettishly back over her shoulder is frankly disturbing. Yes. Um, but she seemed to be enjoying herself. It was odd. I'm not entirely sure why you would choose Dodo as the, the other companion to map into that, but somebody presumably thought it was worth doing. Yeah, well... Doctor Who fans can be strange people. Can, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as with all Doctor Who releases, they've gone to town with the DVD. There are special features and documentaries on here. It's just worth your time. Find it and and treat yourself. Yes. But it, we are recording this on All Souls Day, and with the witch, it's, it's doubly appropriate. So now what we need to do, as this is kind of a Doctor Who episode, is we need to call Siri for the Drag Queen Index. I am Persian. Name your price. 
Now. Oh, this this is going to be quite high on the scale, isn't it? Maybe. Um, there's there's a bit of resting bitch face, or maybe it's just Juno Bacon not really being terribly animated. She certainly has some flamboyant costumes, which veer towards the drag queenie, and makeup that looks as though it's been applied by Homer Simpson's makeup gun. <laughs> I'd forgotten about the makeup gun. Oh, I've got it accidentally set to whore. <laughs> There's Brendan's party frock at the end, which, I mean, the poor fellow, you can visibly see shivering because he's obviously petrified. But it's a little party frock, really, mm. isn't it? And quite revealing. There's what's Most. her name? Lily Savage. What's her damn name? Um, Lavinia. L- Lily, Lily Gregson in her, her gown, her robe for conducting the ceremony. And Lavinia in her spangly jacket mm. when she's in that hotel room. Sarah Jane's costumes are... They're getting increasingly no, worse, actually. At no point particularly drag queeny. The, the, the whole Courtosha brown ensemble thing is quite nice at the mm. beginning. And then she ends up in grey joggers and wellies. So With a cardigan on, yeah. Yeah, so somebody, somebody in the costume department was, was having an off day on that day. But that's not particularly drag queeny. So we've got some good resting bitch face. We've got some makeup gun makeup, and we've got some fairly flamboyant costumes, all in the person of Juno Baker. So I'm giving this a three. Oh, I thought you were going to go four. It's a no, three. Three. Three out of five Olvias. Yeah, I think for four, you've really got to be getting into proper image of the Fendal territory. Oh, Wonder Ventham. Yeah. Right. And for, for five, then it needs to be reverse operation. Or Olvia. Just wait till we watch Terminus. It'll probably turn out to be quite understated now. I mean, so. If he turns out to be understated, then I don't think Lisa Goddard with all that hair and shoulder pads will be. How they were supposed to be uh, believable as intergalactic mercenaries with all that slap on and just the... Um, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll go and ca- catch your supervillain, but got to back home first. I don't think things can get any odder, even for us. Thank you for listening. Merry Christmas. To all of you at home. We'll be back in the new year with another edition. Have a lovely Christmas. And a great new year. Bye now. The Night Before Christmas by Clement C. Moore T'was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. My sister and I were nestled all snug in our beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in our heads. And Mama in her pyjamas and Father in his cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the curtains and threw up the sash. The moon shining onto the new fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a bright red sleigh and eight bright-eyed reindeer. With a jolly old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles his reindeer they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. 
To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle rising up in the sky, so up to the housetop the reindeers they flew, with the sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas too. Then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each reindeer hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in red from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His friendly mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon let me know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. And laying his finger on the side of his nose, and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the seeds of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim before he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night! <laughs>